Hello, everyone, and welcome to this episode of Apartment Investing for Early Retirement. Today's guest is Eric Fitzgerald. Eric is a multifamily investor living and investing in Charlotte, North Carolina. He recently closed on his first multifamily deal by teaming up with Humboldt Partners. For this episode, we're going to dig into the process that Eric went through to be able to close on this first property, starting from how he found it, how he structured the deal, the financing that they were able to put in place, and what the business plan is moving forward. So without further ado, welcome to the show, Eric. Thank you, Derek. Before we really dig into your your deal, would you mind giving the listeners a little bit of a background about you? Just brief, uh, brief bit about how you got to where you're at here. Sure. So I guess uh, a way of a speed run through it, I got into real estate in college. Um, so I really kind of, I was a, a pre-med major. So I was going to be an orthodontist. That was kind of the path that I had chosen. Um, I would say probably two years into that, there were two big questions that kept uh, coming up. Uh, one of them was I was going to be in school until I was, you know, 29, 30 years old. Uh, and the other was I was going to be, you know, hundreds of, of thousands of, uh, of dollars in debt. Um, so I didn't have a good enough reason, you know, to why I wanted to be an orthodontist and why I wanted to continue with that path. Um, so I, I ended up switching into business and I had no clue what I wanted to do. Um, ended up finding real estate through um, like books and podcasts. I was really focusing on trying to figure out what I wanted to do. Um, found Bigger Pockets, listened to all their podcasts, uh, and really built kind of a found, uh, foundation of, of knowledge off of that. Um, and then ended up doing two different kind of work experience to kind of put that knowledge into practice. I did a, an internship in Philadelphia for a summer. Uh, I was a property management intern. I was bottom of the, uh, bottom of the totem pole. Um, but I learned a lot doing that and then, um, came back to school and got a job with a student housing investor. Um, so started out as kind of a snow shoveler and a, a maintenance guy. Um, and ended up, you know, pushing towards more of a management role and a sales role, um, and learned a lot about the entrepreneurial kind of side of, of real estate there. Uh, so that's kind of how real estate got started. Great. You know, and it might've been a brief stint, but to, to see that management side, you know, especially right now is with the uh, COVID-19, uh, shutdown going mm-hmm. on, uh, knowing how to manage property and pr- manage it well, you know, of course you just got it. So you're, you know, starting off, you know, it, it gave you a little bit of insight. I'm sure, you know, again, it's not 15 years of management experience, but you at least get to get to see into it and, and know so that whether you guys manage yourselves or you hire a third party, you kind of know what, what to look out for. So exactly. Yeah. Knowledge for sure. Great. So, um, why don't you give us a little bit of a background for, for the property uh, that you just closed on, you know, what it is um, and then where it's located. And then we'll dig into some more questions. Yeah. So it's a 12 unit apartment building. Um, it's about 15 minutes or so from the Charlotte airport. So it's in a great area. Um, and my, my partners on this deal actually already have some assets in that area. So we have some nice kind of uh, economies of scale in that local market. Um, so we, we were super comfortable with, with, with the property and where it was located. Um, it was just a matter of, of getting it done. You talked about getting that, that insight into real estate. Why specifically did you decide on multifamily and why around Charlotte? Yeah, those are good questions. Um, 
so I think we all kind of go through that stage when you first learn about real estate, there's so many different avenues, right? There's wholesaling, there's flipping, there's, you know, buy and hold single family, there's multifamily, there's all these kind of things. And I found myself kind of getting a little um, analysis paralysis, just all this kind of stuff coming up um, and ended up, you know, multifamily, A, it's a necessity. I mean, people are always going to need apartments. I think um, Jake Stenziano, he says the, what is it? The three basic human needs are food, water, and apartments. Um, so, you know, it's not a fad. It's not something that's going to go out of style. Uh, and the assets that I'm buying now, I, you know, we plan to hold in perpetuity, right? So I think it's important that, that it's, it's such a necessity. Um, and I, I actually just read the book, um, Big Shifts Ahead. And they talk about how our nation is increasingly becoming a renter nation, uh, especially my generation, you know, our generation coming up out of college. Um, you know, they're saddled with, with student debt, which isn't a good thing, but it's, it's delaying the home buying of, of the new generations, uh, which is making people rent longer and longer. So it's, it's, uh, it's following those demographic trends as well. Yeah, and touching on what's going on right now, we'll see what happens on the other side. But, you know, it, you already saw, I believe, Chase Bank um, up their requirements to 20% down and a 700 credit score. You know, that's going to that's gonna take a lot of people out of the buyer pool. You know, that's just one bank. Is that going to carry over more? And maybe it does, maybe it doesn't. We'll see how long that term is. But, you know, there's going to be a lot of repercussions from this that, yeah, I think it's even more so going to be demanding for, you know, quality apartments and, you know, the way that those apartments might have to look moving forward could change, you know, maybe some home offices and, you know, different sort of common spaces. But yeah, I think, you know, right now, yeah, some owners are having a tough time with their collections, but, you know, there's ways to learn from this adapt so that you're going to mitigate that risk in the future, but you're going to have even more demand. In my opinion, I'm no expert, but you know, you kind of look at the writing on the wall here is it's, it's a good space to be into, you know, even though right now it might be a little bit of a blip, a little bit of a heartburn, you know, I think again, in the long term, if you're holding them long term, it, it's just, it's, it's a good spot because if those requirements do really go up closer to 20% down, that's going to take a lot of people out of that, the home buying. So, yeah. So yeah. Exactly. Um, with uh, Charlotte, you know, what, what drew you to, uh, to that MSA? Yeah. So Charlotte, um, I'd been coming to this area, uh, since I was maybe 11 or 12 years old, um, with my parents, we would come down here for the, uh, for a week in the summer every year. Uh, so I was already familiar with the area and, uh, there was also kind of the factor I, I'd grown up in a small town. I went to college in that same small town. Um, and I was kind of itching to, uh, you know, experience something new and, and uh, go to somewhere where I, I would have to kind of uh, reinvent myself and turn a new leaf. And um, it's, it's been amazing. I mean, getting into a new environment ha has done a lot for me. Uh, in Charlotte, I mean, you can't talk enough about the demographics. I mean, the population growth, the job growth, median income, crime rates uh, in our markets are, are awesome. Great. So, um, you know, focusing on this specific property, what was the criteria that you were looking for, um, you know, for a property that you're going to purchase 
and give us a little bit about the the demographics, you know, with the area in terms of, you know, what kind of property is it? What's the area? You know, what kind of um, ABC, you know, dig into that just, just a little bit. Yep. So uh, criteria wise, I'm looking mainly 10 to 50 units, um, BNC class, Charlotte MSA. Um, so that's kind of, it fits into that criteria. It's 12 units. Um, it was built in 1987, um, but it had fallen into a state of, of uh, disrepair. Uh, it was mom and pop ownership. Um, so it certainly didn't look like it was built in 1987, but there's very solid bones and there's, uh, you know, a solid kind of foundation to it. Uh, to to improve and and to add some value to it. Great, and I know um, you know hear from from Bill Ham. He was on the show a while back. You know, is a flight to quality getting out of those '60s and '70s assets and you know into the '80s, '90s, 2000s, just because of all the mechanicals and the you know stuff behind mm-hmm. the wall that doesn't add to the rent, but you have to take care of coming up. So you know that's great. Where you know, I'm sure you have some some work to be done, but you're not going to have to replace your plumbing. You're not going to have to replace, you know, a lot of your systems necessarily, of course, you know, furnaces, AC, stuff like that comes up, but yeah, the big expensive ones that, uh, that really eat into that profit. Um, so that's, that's great. So, um, you know, how did you structure for purchasing it? You know, is it a, is it a joint venture? Did you syndicate it? What did it look like to, uh, to put that together? Yeah, so so it was a joint venture. Um, me, Thomas, and Josh. Thomas and Josh are Humboldt partners. Um, they're based here in the Charlotte MSA. I actually met them through the Jake and Gino program, um, and they're you know they're they're awesome awesome role models in the industry. They're um, they're looking to grow to four hundred units, and they're looking to kind of be uh, chairman of those four hundred units, and just kind of step out of real estate and become you know. Um, more involved with, you know, being fathers and husbands and kind of stepping away from, uh, work. So, um, yeah, I partnered with them on it and, uh, ended up getting some nice seller financing on it as well. So it's, it's, uh, it's an awesome deal. Yeah. Why don't we dig in, uh, with the seller financing, how did you go about, you know, bringing that up and why were they open to it and what were the terms, um, that you agreed upon for that? Yes. Yeah, so this was uh, an interesting, uh, uh, some interesting events. We had originally started out at a purchase price of uh, 300. Do you want me to get in, into some numbers? Yeah, let's just dig right into it. Get in there. Okay. So we had originally agreed on a purchase price of 340,000. Um, our understanding of the renovation budget was it was going to be around 150. Um, this was based on my uh, meeting with her on the property. Um, we weren't able to get inside any units, which will uh, come back later in the story. Um, there was definitely some work that had to be done, but you know, under, our understanding of it was okay. One hundred and fifty rehab, um, three hundred and forty purchase. You know, we're comfortable with that all-in price. Um, you know, especially after we implement our business plan. Um, so we were comfortable with that. Uh, we got that under contract, uh, due diligence day came and we got not, uh, most of the units and she had communicated that they were in good condition. Uh, they were definitely not in good condition. Uh, so that uh, magically blew our rehab budget from around 150 to max of 350. Um, 
So they're, I mean, they're, they're in rough shape. Um, they just haven't been cared for. Um, so, you know, knowing that we had to go back and say, you know, we have to close this gap somehow, right? You know, if our original budget's 150 and now it's 350, how are we going to, you know, the numbers just don't work. Um, so, you know, we, we sat down with the seller and, and that was one of the things that we did really well was really develop a genuine relationship with the seller uh, and her family as well, because she was ready to get rid of it. Um, she was an elderly lady. She was ready to just visit with family. Um, so we knew that and she knew that we were able to work out a purchase price of 250. Um, and we were still going to go to go ahead with um, bank financing and then COVID came. So, uh, we were gonna, you know, the, the capital outlay, which was, um, you know, mostly from Thomas and Josh was going to be over a hundred thousand dollars for to finance the rehab and the purchase price. And we weren't comfortable doing that. You know, we want to be well capitalized. They have 81 other units that they have to make sure are, are well capitalized, uh, for a potential downturn. So, uh, we said either, you know, we have to cancel the contract or, um, you know, we can do seller financing. So we ended up agreeing on seller financing. Uh, the terms on that was 10,000 down, um, and then 1000 a month, um, uh, five year balloon. Yeah, quite, quite the way that worked, uh, worked out. Um, yeah, so yeah. You, it's just flat no matter what, that's what you're putting down or each month. There's no, no various, uh, terms with that. That's, that's pretty sweet. You know, you get the, yep. get to save a little bit there, but, um, you know, so looking at the renovations, what is, you know, what's the scope of it? It sounds pretty heavy, but you know, what really has to be done, uh, to even get it back to a shape where you can get the types of uh, tenants and rent that you're looking for? Yeah, so rents right now are around 430. Um, we're working with a local contractor. We have a scope of work for uh, around 25,000 a unit. Interior, exterior, that's you know pretty much everything. Uh, and that'll be, um, you know, you name it, new flooring, new appliances. Um, you know, we're not gonna make this place, uh, you know, Taj Mahal. It's gonna be, you know, nice solid workforce housing. Um, so, you know, replacing flooring appliances uh, we're gonna have to do some work there's a well system um, so we're gonna have to we're thinking about hooking up to city water uh, so that's a possibility as well um, pretty much all the in interior of the units have to be um, you know fully replaced and uh, there's decking out back that uh, we're gonna replace as well and what's your what's your timeline for those renovations when are you hoping to be able to kind of be all all set with that yeah. So then COVID comes into play, right? Um, so we're actually, we're going to hold off on the renovation for now. Uh, we had originally planned to get it going and it was going to be underway. Um, and we were hoping to be done. Um, I think by the end of the summer was our, was our goal. Um, and that was a couple of months ago. So it'll probably take a year once we start to get it fully repositioned and, and leased up. Um, but we're holding off kind of running it as is making necessary repairs taking care of the tenants. Um, and then we'll kind of see where things pan out in the future. Yeah. So just, uh, the build off of, off of the COVID, uh, issue that we have right now, what do you, you know, obviously mentioned how that changes your, your business plans for this property, but does it change your plans for what you're looking to do say later in the year or next year? You know, does it change how you might target property owners or what you look for, um, anything like that? 
Yeah. So as far as like new deals go, like sourcing new deals. Yes. Yeah. We, I've, we've ramped up cold calling. Um, you know, that's how we found this deal. And, um, I think, I think pricing ex- expectations are slowly changing, but, uh, not fast enough. Um, you know, underwriting as, as underwriting goes, I'm underwriting for, you know, 15% economic vacancy, uh, and no rent growth in year one for all the new deals that we're looking at. Um, so that's just a way to make sure we're not banking on everything going well with COVID. Um, but I think, I think cold calling and going direct to owner is going to be the way to go, especially in the short term with everything going on. You know, maybe there's an owner struggling with collections and they're starting to have some trouble. Uh, maybe there's a way that you can professionally manage it or, or do something like that. So um, that's what we're looking at. Right. Going back to this, discussed your plan moving forward. You know, what you obviously had to change up things a few times, you know, with going through due diligence, renovation budget blown out from what you thought it was going to be. Can't even start renovation. So, you know, let's look at what would be the biggest thing you would say that went right and one that perhaps went wrong or, you know, really thrown for a curveball that might be outside of what we discussed. Yeah, I would say something that that we did well was develop that that relationship with the seller. Um, it was a really genuine relationship. You know, uh, we understood her pain points, and um, Josh and I even went to her house and sat with her on our on our kitchen table before COVID um, uh, to kind of discuss what was going on. And um, you know, we we were very genuine with her, and I think she appreciated that. And I think that's why we were able to to um, still get the deal done even after renovation budget blows up, COVID comes and wrecks everything. Um, I think that's why ultimately we were able to get the deal done because she trusted us. Um, so that, that's, that's the thing I think that we did well. Um, thing that went wrong, um, obviously COVID was out of our control. I would say not pushing harder to get into units before the contract because usually we like to see as much as possible. Um, but it just wasn't possible with, with this current owner is a very you know, mom and pop operation. She didn't know where the keys were. It was, it was a lot of, uh, a lot of effort to try and get into units. So, um, we weren't able to, and I think that's, that's one thing that we would like to push harder on next time for sure. Yeah. It's always good to, uh, you know, learn from it. It worked out in the end, but still uh, could have taken a little bit of, of stress and uh, curveballs out of it. But yeah, know what you did, what went right, what didn't learn from it, adapt for the next one. And I think, you know, getting that relationship with the seller, you know, and being genuine about it. Yes. You want a property, you want it at a, at a fair price, you know, because you know what needs to go into it, but you're not trying to railroad someone and take advantage of, you know, an elderly woman that just wants to be done with something. No, you you can be very human about things and still, you know, make plenty of money in the long run. You know, there's, exactly. there's so much of it out there. Yep. So yeah, that's great. But um, yeah, just touch a few wrap up questions. Then we'll, uh, we'll close this thing out. So, you know, what does the word retirement mean to you? Retirement. Um, you know, I think, I don't know that I'm necessarily shooting and this is just my personal opinion. I don't know that I'm necessarily even shooting for uh, a retirement. Um, I think the the multifamily space, while I'm relatively new at it, uh, I could see I could see just doing it 
you know, because I want to do it. Um, I think it allows you to build a real business. It doesn't require you to, you know, the early years, yeah, you're going to be working more than other people, but you know, once you have these properties and they're stabilized and you bought them right, you manage them right, you finance them right. Um, I think there's a point down the road where you can still be building a business, but also take your foot off the gas a little bit and then, you know, enjoy life. And maybe that's what retirement is. Um, but you know, I'm not necessarily looking to, to put my hands up and stop working. Yeah. Just more of a lifestyle than yeah. time and age. It's yeah. So, uh, was there one event, you know, like you were at a live event, you had a conversation or it was a book that you read that made you take action specifically to go to multifamily? Oh man. Um, I think those, those uh, experiences I had in college were really, um, you know, formative. I, I was able to work for that student housing investor and I saw, you know, what he was able to do for his family and um, the kind of freedom that he had. I think that really cemented in my mind what being an owner of multifamily is. It's a lot of hard work, but um, you know, at the end of the day, you're, you're, you have that freedom, you have that control um, and you're able to kind of, you know, make your life how you want it to be basically. Yeah. You know, it's, it's always interesting. What is the moment that made you just made it click? So, you know, again, fortunate that he's at a pretty young age, you know, I had Kyle Marcotte on the show a few, few weeks back and, you know, same thing. He was just like, what am I doing? You know, is this really what I want to do? You learn about real estate and then you learn about multifamily and there's a ton of ways to make a lot of money in real estate. You know, I, I'm a little bit biased here towards, towards multifamily, but, uh, you know, it just getting into it, you know, even at, even at my age, you know, I'm just shy of 30 and I can say, I'm, I'm already considering myself to be getting up there, but, uh, you know, even at that age, like there's so, so fortunate to get in now and see what lies ahead. And especially for you, you know, getting, you leave college and nope, I'm not going to be a orthodontist. Real estate is the way multifamily. I'm going to work for someone. I'm going to learn that way. I'm going to get around a group of, you know, other investors, a lot of success and learn from them what to do, what not to do, find some partners, move to a new city and just mm-hmm. everything. Like it takes a lot of action, takes getting uncomfortable and you're doing it. I knew that from, you know, first conversation we had on a, on a property tour. Knoxville, yeah. You, you can tell that, you know, people are able to make stuff happen and it's, it's getting out of that comfort zone. You move to a brand new city and you're like, I'll figure it out. I have to, I have to figure it out. And you know, this I'm sure is uh, one of many, many, many more to come. So um, congratulations again on that. Uh, But lastly, how can listeners find out more about you or or get in touch with you? Yeah, you can, uh, uh, I guess the best way would be email. Uh, You can email me at, Eric, E-R-I-C, at uh, FITS, F-I-T-Z, assetmanagement.com, or you can connect with me on LinkedIn. I think it's Eric Fitzgerald 10, I believe. Great. So thank you again for taking the time to be on the show. You know, this is the, the first of, of a little bit of a new series uh, going into, into deals a little bit more. So, you know, appreciate you coming on and, and being the first one. And and look forward to to having more in the future. You know, I think it's it's good for people to 
get a little bit of an idea of, you know, again, not incredibly in depth, but why this property, what makes it a good deal? What needs to be done? How did you finance it? How did you structure the ownership? How, how did all this go? What went right? What went wrong? You know, just to give a little bit more insight, you know, people hearing those real world examples and, you know, whether it's a 12 unit or a 200, you know, it just gets, gets the ball, ball rolling for some people and they kind of, oh, I might have to implement this or, yeah, I should take that out of, you know, how we go about stuff. So I really appreciate the, the insight and I'm sure our listeners will find a lot of value from this as well. Awesome. Thank you very much, Derek. I appreciate it. Yep. So without further ado, take care. Best of luck, uh, you know, with everything, get through, get through the COVID-19 uh, struggles we got right now and uh, make it happen in the future. Awesome. Thank you. Thank you everyone for tuning into this week's episode of Apartment Investing for Early Retirement. Please be sure to rate and review wherever you listen to podcasts and check us out on Facebook and Instagram. The links will be in the show notes. And if you enjoy the show, please be sure to share it out on social media so that we can reach more and more people to help educate them about the opportunity that multifamily investing provides to help reach their version of retirement sooner than later. Take care, everyone. <music>